You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the All Creatures Podcast. This is Chris, and I just want to set up this interview that I was very fortunate to be able to conduct with the filmmakers of a documentary. And this isn't just your your average nature documentary. This is actually Hollywood looking at conservation, and specifically a conservation center, or even more specifically, the Gibbon Conservation Center here in Southern California. I was fortunate to be able to go to a special screening of this film and the film's called Violet is Blue A Tale of Gibbons and Guardians and it was held at the LA Film School and didn't really know what to expect walking into this movie and let me just tell you I was astounded it was such a fascinating look at a conservation center and the struggles of not only the wildlife so in this particular instance Gibbons which if you've listened to the, the podcast this week, you understand they're under a tremendous amount of pressure in Asia, like many other species in that part of the world. And this conservation center actually houses some of the most endangered gibbons on earth. So it was a very fascinating look at not only the gibbon story, because they're really the stars of the film, but also specifically looking at the people that take care of the gibbons and actually the incredible sacrifices they do each day to take care of these animals. It's just, it was a fascinating film. The film was directed by Alex Asmi, and he's an Emmy Award winning documentary filmmaker. So he has the credentials to actually go in and make a quality, quality movie, which, which I was, like I said, very fortunate to see and was just touched. I mean, really touched after watching this movie. So I was able to interview Alex and then also Michael Tao, who was a producer, and then also Gabby Skolar, who is actually the director of the Gibbon Conservation Center. Now, just last week, I was able to to actually make the trek. The Gibbon Conservation Center is actually located in Santa Clarita, which is about 30 minutes north of Los Angeles here in California. And Gabby actually took me around. and, And if you follow us on Instagram, you saw I actually posted some of the Gibbon singing and some of the pictures that was that were coming out of there and just talking to her for 2 hours i just i just really admire her and and her staff i mean she has a, a a small staff that anybody working in conservation knows 
it's a labor of love. You know, these are, are folks that are not making a great deal of money. They do this because they love the animals and they believe in what they're doing. And, and Gabby is a conservation hero, period. It's the, the Gibbon Conservation Center is one of the few centers on earth. There's a few in Asia and then the one here in the United States that house some of these endangered species. And to talk to her and walk around and see these gibbons up close and personal, to hear them sing for, I think, over a half hour was just amazing, amazing. So we were fortunate enough to, to schedule an interview with them. It's, it's on a conference call, so that's a little bit different from our normal interviews, especially with four people all on at once. So please excuse some of the audio. It's, it's still just a fascinating look to talk to Hollywood, basically and their views on conservation and their views on making this film. Now, I will just touch really quickly that the film is being shown many film festivals. It, it just came out this year. So listen to the filmmakers discuss it, you know, where it's being shown and really what they're trying to do with this film. But I hope you really enjoy this interview. And then just a final note, again, since this was a conference call, which was new for us to record, I was a little late pressing record on one of my options, which ended up being the best recording we had. So basically, I, I just came in and asked the filmmakers what this film was primarily about. So you join in with Alex starting about from his perspective on the film and really what they were trying to accomplish. So I hope you enjoy it. Well, the primary Gibbon, and her name is Violet, uh, which we named the film after. Violet is a very uh, rambunctious female. She's very lovely, and she seems to be getting herself in trouble all the time. Uh, there's another couple of Gavins I just would like to talk about him briefly. There's one, uh, his name is Nate. Nate is a young Gavin, and uh, he's upset that his mom is, is, uh, is attracted to a male Gavin that is not his father, and he's doing everything to, to like scrub the relationship. Uh, there is Pepper. She's an orphan. She's a, a young female who's very intelligent and who, after her mother's death, uh, uh, grew up to take the leadership of, of the group. Uh, this is in the given time, but this is, this is, these are not individual stories, but really a part of a society of both people and Gibbons. Uh, there's the story of the center itself, how it came about the founder of the center. Uh, a man with, uh, with vision and uh, with mission who, it, who started the vision. Uh, the vision, the center sense have uh, struggled uh, at different levels and faced many challenges. Uh, a few women with the leadership of Gabi came together and decided to seek to see the, the center. Uh, and we tell the story of how they came about that and the hard work that they have done um, hard work that's not glamorous, hard work that is, is very difficult in the desert, in harsh, harsh conditions, uh, with very little compensation, very little resources, almost driven entirely by, by love and conviction for the mission. So we tried to put that all together as a bunch of stories uh, on the front, but underneath it, there is a lot of educational material. Uh, you will learn, a person will learn about the... the uh, the fight of the Gibbons and the love, what's happening to them, will know how the center came about. And, and uh, so there, there are stories up front and then there's several stories underneath. 
and and I'm just gonna say, just jump in real quick for Michael goes. I caught that. Like I sitting in that movie theater watching that. I the emotions. I I felt them, and you know, I even teared up a couple times at, at some spots. So. Yeah, beautiful filmmaking, beautiful story. It's something we'll be pushing, but I just wanted to jump in real quick and say yes. <laughs> From what Alex just said, times 100. It, it's an amazing, amazing story. So, so Michael, what, what did, from your perspective? I don't know, Alex did a pretty good job. <laughs> pretty good job of it. it, 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 it my, I uh, also edited the film and it, with documentaries, you know, you really, it, it, a, a documentary is different than a scripted film because you're actually writing the script after the fact. Um, you take all the interviews and you put them together and you decide if you need any more interviews or any more footage and stuff like that. Um, but it was, the, the, the film, you could probably start right here, the film was the interweaving of these different stories. Um, some are funny, some are harrowing, um, some are uplifting, and some are about these just amazing personalities, the Gibbons. Um, and um, and you understand um, a lot about, um, I guess, their you know, their physiology and the science. But it, it, it was, you know, it was about making something that really is an emotional subject matter um, fun to uh, experience and um, and enjoy. I also want to point out that it was shot in 4K, so, um, you know, we... You, Chris, you saw it in a theater where we were projecting it in 4K, and that's why... You could see on those nice big close-ups. Oh, it was beautiful. Yeah, we got, yeah, it was you beautiful. know, like, you know, every, every hair and every uh, dried piece of food on, yeah. <laughs> on the mustache. <laughs> yeah. So, Gabby, you know, you're the director of yeah. the center, and a lot of this, you're right, is, is about your story, too, not just the Gibbons. And it's, you know, I just got to yeah. say bravo to you, because the way Alex painted it and, and Michael reinforced it, it really what you do is a labor of love. You know, anybody that works in conservation knows, you know, you're not getting wealthy. Uh, you, sometimes you're going to struggle to pay your bills. So what you do, you do because you love it and you love what you do. So mm-hmm. from your yeah. perspective, what, what really was the, the purpose of the film and, you know, what did you get out of it or what did you see from it? So, um, to me, uh, the most important part is just kind of tell the story of my like last 40 years, especially the last seven years, what we went through. Because while we were doing it, we didn't think about much. We just kept working and doing what needed to be done. But looking it back on the movie, it was very emotional. And just preparing for the movie and... Um, talking with Alex and uh, kind of telling him the story um, was also very emotional because you have to keep kind of remembering things and bringing it up and, and thinking about it, how he was. And uh, so that part was very emotional and, and important uh, to just kind of tell the story because 
the people who come through and uh, they see the center, they just see these smiling people talking about the Gibbons, but they don't know what's behind it, the mm-hmm. hard work and everything. So I think it's important that at least once somebody said the story of that. And then it also told that why are we doing it? Like it told the story about Pepper and Wireless and, and we have these Gibbons here, they're all different. They all have different personalities and, and they can be annoying, they can be fun. Uh, they're going through their own dramas and, and they all have their own story to, to kind of tell and we kind of helping them tell the story of Pepper and Wireless. And it's all kind of intertwined. So it's just, um, it's just a, a fascinating um Sorry, that's just very little people know about it. No, it, it, no. I mean, it is. I don't know. It, it, no, no, it's, it's, you captured it. it. When you study these animals and, and you know, study different species yeah. and they all have, you talk to people that work with them day in, day out. I mean, even reptiles, people say reptiles have personalities. But when you get into, the, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, higher order primates, talk about personality. Yeah. My goodness. And we do it for them, like. Yeah. That's that's why we do the work. That that's why we don't. It's it's not really work. It's mm-hmm. our passion mm-hmm. because we love these animals and we care about them. And um, that's uh, I think that's that's why we are here. Right, right. I um, I asked Gabby the first time I met her, and she was showing me around the center. What percentage of her time is spent being a psychologist, and she said seventy-five percent. Psychologist of of the Gibbon, right? Yeah, I mean, we have to understand them. I have to understand their needs and their behaviors to be able to care for them. And because they are all unique and they have their own issues, and uh, we just kind of have to uh, adjust to that. Yeah. Right, right, right. And that's something I definitely want to talk to you about is given behavior. <laughs> Focus on the film on this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and so maybe this to Alex, if, you know, you can tell our audience, you know, we, we have listeners from all over the world. Why should they see this film or really what's the core message of the film? Yeah, no, uh, thank you very much. So essentially, uh, your question is really too powerful. Let me answer. First, how the film came about and then what is the message of the film? The uh, the film came about. Uh, I went to the center several years ago and um, saw the tour, and was literally blown away by the story that was told about the Gibbons. The elements of the stories are the ones that we can relate to it uh, very closely, like love, hate, friendship, jealousy, things that are very interesting stories, and really was were were an eye opener for me that these are about the Gibbons. Uh, you can think these very stories are just replaced with the people and you will not know any difference. Um, so about a year ago, I went to the center again, uh, met with Gabi and asked her if she would be interested to collaborate about, about, uh, about the documentary. Uh, she, she agreed, uh, with Alicia, she was very interested, uh, in part because, uh, there's a lot of interesting stories. But most more importantly, she wanted to uh, educate the public about the plight of the Gibbons um, and that they're endangered and that uh, there's very, there are things that are very small that all of us can do here and there. 
that can help the Gibbons and the Wild. So that's how the film started. Uh, uh, Michael came on board and was just tremendous, tremendous uh, both vision, creation, uh, hard work. Um, it is really keep really hard in the Keep on going. Keep on going. I apologize. I'm sorry, I didn't get that. But you said, "Okay, I'll have to In terms I said, of "Keep the, on going, keep on going." Oh, okay. <laughs> no, I'm gonna change topic. Uh, in terms of the uh, the uh, the message of the film, uh, it, it's clear. I mean, they're on the surface of the, the stories of the people in the uh, in the Gibbons and the center and the founder and so on, but really underneath it is that these these um, these gibbons are uh, uh, are endangered, mm-hmm. and uh, they need help. Mm-hmm. Uh, that uh, some of the numbers that I learned from uh, during the film that out of twenty species, out of twenty, nineteen are in trouble, mm-hmm. are either endangered, critically endangered, or close extinction altogether. So we need to put it in in, in different words. Only five percent of the species of the gibbons are not in, in trouble. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we wanted to convey that this message and also indirectly tell people uh, they're very little about what they can do to, to help. Hopefully to intrigue their interest and in, uh, they can take it from there. Mm-hmm. It, it's, and I'm going to kind of jump ahead to a question. I know it's a little bit down the list, but it made me think of it while you were talking. And, and Alex, you know, you're an Emmy Award winning director. And Michael, you've been involved in many major films. You know, and, and Gabby, Gabby's life is the Gibbon Center and, and conservation. And, and what I do is conservation at Gibbon Center. So from your perspective as artists, you know, how does filmmaking or from your perspective, how can that help? You know, not just the, I guess, the documentaries that we see with Planet Earth and things that the BBC are kick, kicking out or Nat Geo or those, those things. How can it help spread the conservation message? In, in my opinion, so let me start and then, then uh, Michael can jump in and then uh, uh, Gabby is really the expert. Mm-hmm. The uh, one that we can reach an audience, but we can also uh, reach the audience, a wider audience, and, and reach them in both intellectual and emotional level. We will be able to, to get to give people a message of what is happening and how dire the situations are but also get them emotionally uh, involved enough to go and take an action. Um, it could be an action as a volunteer, an organization, or donate, but also more likely to be an action that if you have two different products in the market, pick the one that is more uh, environmentally friendly. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if you are uh, in a tour in a different country, um, be ecologically uh, aware. Don't take pictures, but with a small animal that somebody will come in and, uh, you know, uh, ask you to pay so for the animals to pause with you. These, these are not good for the animals. They're not good for nature. It encourages hunting. And we can convey these messages via the film. Uh, and people will get it, hopefully will remember it uh, when it fully counts, when they're in these situations. But uh, Mike, Michael, from your perspective? Uh, I agree that... Oh, sorry. I would... Gabby? Go ahead. Go ahead, Gabby. Sorry. 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 <laughs> Okay, so uh, agree. So we we have like maybe a couple of thousand people come through the center every year, but with this documentary and, and other documentaries can reach a wider audience. And um, once they hear these stories and, and people are so visual, 
So it's easier for them to relate to something that they can actually see. And um, once they see and relate to them, they're going to care about them. It's just that kind of connection. It's not like if you just read something and you educate people, there's something will stick and some, like most of the stuff won't stick. Or you tell people, don't do this, don't do that. It's just people change when they care about something and they want to help something because they saw Pepper in a movie and they learn about Pepper. Uh, they're going to look into more and they want to protect her species and then they're going to make some changes in their life um, when they go to shopping or um, some go, they are traveling uh, because they care about Pepper. Uh, I think that's something that through art uh, you can get people connected easier. For sure, for sure. Can I? I guess it's my turn. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I thought that um, rather than making a dry, you know, factual kind of, uh, you know, interview-based, I mean, it is an interview-based, but rather than making a dry documentary that that is very dour. Um, I thought that um, making something that's entertaining and and is a roller coaster of, of, of uh, again, what I said earlier, um, humor and um, adversity and inspiration and loss um, would be easier. I mean, it, it, it's just just better movie making will work for all the for the two different things that Alex and Gaddy said, um, and um, we strove to do that. Um, luckily, we had you know the, the Gibbons are very entertaining and very funny, and in a lot of ways, they do very funny things and very funny personalities. Um, so I so so making a better movie and more entertaining also helps all that. And Gaddy's totally right about that. It's you know. Uh, people don't want to sit down and read, you know, 480 pages of the Mueller report. They just want to see the, the movie. As, right, uh, should I phrase that? And just, should I not do that? Yeah. People, people don't want to sit down and read um, a book about Gibbons when they can just watch mm-hmm. um, and get attained. It, and and it, it still has the same driving effect of the environmental stuff, which is specifically palm oil. I'll, I'll, I, I can do the palm oil yeah. thing unless Gabby wants to do it. Um, but I also want to point out another thing as well, too, and maybe this again may come from Gabby, but the Gibbon Conservation Center breeds really rare species. Mm-hmm. These are the rare species that Alex was referring to, the ones that are really getting down to very small numbers. And each of these species, as I worked on this, they they look totally different. I, I'm sure that they act totally different as well, too. I haven't spent days hanging out with, you know, two gibbons and seeing how they, you know. But, um, but, but, but they're breeding um, the rare species. The, the, this is really getting down to scraping the barrel of what's left. Mm-hmm. And um, anyway, that's not answering your question. But. No, no, I mean, it, it, it does. And, it, you know, I think 
highlighting that in a film that was entertaining. And at the end of it, I was like, whoa, that's it. It, it flew by. I like blinked and, you know, I was so engrossed in it and just so very well done. I mean, just very, very well done. And I thought you, you told their story of this, not only the center, but the Gibbons to an effect, you know, why it's important, uh, why this message is important. So, so bravo. My question is for the three of you, and, and I don't know, I, I would be interested to hear from Gabby, I guess, first is, did you learn anything surprising when making the movie? Like, there's anything that came out of it that surprised you? Uh, for me? Yeah, I mean, we'll start with you. And then, yeah, we'll start with Gabby and then go our way through. But for you personally, you know, making this movie, did you learn anything that like, wow, I didn't know that? Well, I mean, as I was doing it, I was learning about filming them. Yeah. Uh, that's very important for me because I, I'm a scientist too and I want to document their behavior and their vocalization. And I, as I was like doing these recordings and Michael was giving me inputs and feedback and, and whatever, I was just practicing on my own. Uh, I was recording doing that and was practicing doing that. And, and of course, I spent, I mean, I spent a lot of time outside, but with the camera, I spent even more time outside and tried to get shot. So just, just little details, just things about their, like I was up very early morning to try to get a recording of Pepper and I was uh, watching her getting started and just listening how she's not just getting started and getting the other givings um, starting their song, just throughout her singing, she was... Um, constantly uh each changing and uh just kind of leading the whole morning uh song at the center so uh those were things that i like i wanted to go back the next day and the next day and uh collect more uh recordings getting more data for my own research Mm -hmm. so yes (laughs) yeah 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 I guess, Alex or Michael, is there anything from, like, your perspective that, you know, you knew about the Gibbon Conservation Center, but anything making this documentary, you just, at the end of it, you were just like, wow, I just did not know that. Yes, as a matter of fact. Uh, so the, the, the very act of the documentary is, uh, is, is, is a discovery. Uh, it's different from the narrative films where, you know, uh, there's a script and you know what you're going to do. Uh, in documentary, you learn it as you go. You discover things as you go. And in my case, it was extremely, extremely educational, eye-opener, uh, very interesting. It was great to, to learn about the different givers, about the, their, their personalities, about the center. Everything that is in the film, uh, I actually learned uh, while we're doing the, uh, the film itself. I knew, obviously, that the givers are endangered, but I didn't know that the situation is that dire. Uh, learn that in the film, uh, and learn a whole bunch of other things. Uh, for me, it was, was really uh, both an educational uh, and a great experience. And then, Michael, do you have anything to add? Well, I mean, I didn't know anything about this. So, <laughs> so uh, Alex had a, had, a, had a leading and a coffee leg up, a, a leg up, a leg up before, before I came on, so I, I didn't know anything about it. But one thing that we haven't said out loud and we, we need to say is what is a gibbon? A gibbon, mm-hmm. and correct me if I'm wrong, a gibbon is a small singing ape. Mm-hmm. And they're, what, about two and a half feet tall? Maybe when they're singing. So they're very, they're small too. And they're 
beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, they're beautiful um, and so different um, looking, and they and they change. Um, they change colors as they mature. Um, Gabby was telling me a certain species starts out. Uh, their color turns lighter when they get to be teenagers, and then when they get older, then they go back to being dark again. Or I mean, I, I I didn't I didn't know anything about um, any 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 of the subject matter when I started. Alex introduced me to all of it. Gabby took yeah yeah took me under her wing and told me more. No, they're amazing animals. I mean, just fascinating, fascinating creatures. So I guess kind of getting some of the nuts and bolts of the filmmaking, you mentioned it earlier that Gabby got some of the, the workable footage. Can you talk about that? Like how difficult it was to film them, you know, from not only your perspective as filmmakers, but Gabby, you know, you in there with, with I guess your, your phone, you know, which it turned out beautifully. No, 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 we... Oh, she had a camera. gave her a 4K camera. Okay. Oh, she had a camera. Okay. I got big cameras. I also use my phone for some sh- uh, shots. So, um, and we, you know, we take care of them and we have um, um, social media, uh, especially Instagram, we post short videos and pictures. Mm-hmm. And um, I just set my phone to record 4K and some of the shots were just like fun activities or something while it was rolling on the floor or something. Mm-hmm. Those were recorded with my phone and just stick it through the fence uh, and just started recording. But then I also um, did shots with the, the big camera and um, either from inside or some of the shots I was trying to get Pepper singing. Some other ones were just put the camera right up to the fence, to the chain link and just shoot through the fence. Mm-hmm. So, um, what makes it difficult is that they don't sit still for like a few seconds. They're always moving. It's hard to focus on them. And then the other thing, like you try to record one given and the other one at the same time putting on your hair, and uh, <laughs> it's hard to keep still. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, uh, but I think it was uh, fun. And then we did some shots with the GoPro that we attached it to the fence inside the enclosure. And that was also easy in some way, but you just, it was recorded like hours of uh, footage. Right, right, right. And not easy, not easy for the editor. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. That was next. Yeah. <laughs> so Michael, so we have like 20 many... hours, 20 hours of GoPro oh. and <laughs> the givens are in frame for, you know, like five seconds. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Every, every, every three or four minutes. And I'm the type of, guy that will will sit there and watch all of it mm. um i mean not in real time i'll speed up till i see some movement and go back and then look and then look at it but i i look at every usable frame mm-hmm. um yeah the go those gopros were <laughs> something yeah. that's some really fun stuff <laughs> so how many i mean i think i've in the q a after the film you, you answered this but how many hours of film did you actually produce and then to get that edited down to 40 minutes, I mean, the the, the hours of work is just incredible. I, 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 again, um, you know, there was a lot of interview mm-hmm. footage and there was a lot of GoPro footage. There wasn't as much of what we call standard B-roll. And a lot of it um, we got after the fact. So, we, it, you know, we knew exactly what we needed 
here and there. So that, that wasn't that much. But, um, you know, the editing process is always, you know, uh, I think a regular film is like a 100 to 1 ratio. Mm-hmm. Um, documentary probably, probably could be more. Right, um, right. But I, I, I can't really give you an exact number. number. It's yeah. many thousands, I think, is what you said. It was a lot. But, 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 I, I, but Alex can probably tell you how many terabytes of footage Terabytes of data there was, and oh, no. right? Yeah, between yeah, between the raw data will be between two to three, two to three terabytes. Wow, wow. Now this, I know I didn't give you this question, but I, I just wanted to ask it, Alex. Your vision for this film, you know, as a director, right? You. You maybe you can explain to our audience, you know, what your role is as a director of a film or a documentary. But you took this vision, and then at the end, you and Michael kind of worked it into a story. Is that is that correct? Uh, yeah, it really it took, took several iterations, but essentially, uh, <clears throat> in, in all of the first meeting with with Gabi uh, about the film, uh, Gabi's name came up, and then there were several Gavin's uh, stories. But then also the the several stories about the uh, about the center how it came about and the, the different challenges and some are very interesting stories and what we wanted to do is mix these stories with some educational material and the word we were using at the time is kind of like a spoonful of of educational material every so long so people will will not get uh, bored will be able to get the educational material but will not be in your face. Putting the stories together now, uh, the idea was how you can tell so many stories that uh, in a linear way. And we decided not to do it in a linear way. We decided, as uh, as probably when you only seen the film, that we're telling uh, some main stories that go from the beginning of the film all the way to the end. And then uh, the shorter stories that, that start and end uh, throughout the, the film itself. Uh, so we, uh, I had this outline and it kind of a story um, a set with Michael very, very uh, early on, and we discussed it several times. And Michael revised a couple of times, and that's uh, how we ended with the, the, the final cut in a very collaborative manner. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, where, where is Violet Is Blue being shown now? Or I know you, you mentioned a few weeks ago when I saw it that you know you'd submitted it to some film festivals. Is there anywhere where it's going to be shown in the future? And then, I guess, just talk about the future of the documentary, where you want to take it? Well, absolutely. So, uh, as you mentioned, we submitted to several festivals. We've been been really fortunate. It won't have several awards, and we we were very gratified with that. In the upcoming month, uh, it will will be shown in... uh, the Santa Cruz Film Festival in, in August, I'm sorry, in October. That is a great festival. And if you're in the area, please stop by. I mean, that's a beautiful, beautiful festival and a beautiful location uh, in, in California. Also will be shown in the Wild Animal Conservation Film Festival, which is in New York. Uh, wildlife. 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 Uh, wildlife Conservation Film Festival. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my apology. Uh, again, one of the prominent uh, film festivals in this arena, and um, and we were very fortunate to be selected 
And we knew uh, yesterday, actually, that we were selected in the Aryan International Film Festival in Jaipur, India. So that, that is in the short term. In the long term, we are looking for distributor, distributor, and hoping that it will make its way to uh, to Netflix, uh, mm-hmm. Amazon Prime, and maybe uh, some of the TV, uh, some of the TV networks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I can add to that. Um, so there were some questions after the screening about where people can see it locally. We're talking to the LA Zoo; they have a nice theater there, mm-hmm. and we're trying to figure out a place. Um, time, how they're going to organize that, um, but they're interested um, in this. Um, also, that's in Los Angeles. Um, the Wildlife International Film Festival that Alex referred to is in New York City. That's October as well, too. Um, but then there's also going to, um, we think there's going to be a screening that's involved in, um, in a local uh, Moderated by a local film festival, Alex. What's the name of it? Uh, it's LA Shorts. We're talking to them about that. Yeah. So, so, so I, I, I suggest that in the short term, people can um, can um, stay abreast of this on our website, uh, the film's website, which is violetisbluedoc.com. All one word, Violet is Blue Doc, terrific documentary. Um, but uh, Alex is being a little modest. So we have actually um, been um, selected by, I don't know, 15 film festivals so far. We only finished the film in April and it's only mm-hmm. August now. Mm-hmm. A lot of the film festivals, their notification, if you're selected or not, is farther down the road. So we'll know more about those film festivals in the coming months. And then um, because of a, a new film's year, I mean, and I, I'm just pointing out that our, you know, it's, it's, it's only four months old, mm-hmm. our baby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, our little baby given. Um, <laughs> I'm sure Gabby can get into that in a couple seconds. Mm-hmm. But, um, there's film festivals that you can't even apply to because of the timing of when a film was done until in October. They won't, they won't be open for submissions until October. So there's, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be a whole calendar year about with the film festivals, but we also are planning on um, doing more screenings locally mm-hmm. and locally Los Angeles um, is um, a point that I wanted to make. The Given Center is only 30 minutes away from Los Angeles, and no one in Los Angeles knows about it. It's mm-hmm. a hidden secret right underneath everyone's feet, and or under their nose, or under their paw. <laughs> um, and everyone should, that's local, should see the movie if they can, and or check out, um, or definitely check out the Given Center because it's, it's so close. For sure, for sure, and it's definitely one that you know we're going to talk a lot about and. The work that we're doing here in, in the United States and then also globally, but, you know, it's it's a story that needs to be told, I think. You know, it's these conservation centers, not just here in the United States, but, you know, in, in India or in Indonesia, Australia, you know, all around the, the world struggling to save these animals. And, and again, just to reinforce what this film's about, 
you know, the, the, the team, the, the small team that day in, day out works to, to save these animals. It's just an amazing story. Amazing story. Can't talk highly enough about it. One of the things I wanted to ask, I, I guess the filmmakers, but maybe even Gabby, I mean, from, from her perspective, like now out there, you know, showing this film, but do you have a new appreciation and, and you've kind of hinted at it, you know, in this interview, but a new appreciation for conservation and then just specifically new appreciation for conservation and, and what gibbons are facing in the wild. Maybe start with Alex. I have Gabby, the question is for you. Okay. Yeah. yeah or, or Gabby. Yeah. yeah. Can you, can you please repeat the question? Yeah. Yeah. So after making this film, you know, going through this process mm-hmm. and do you have a, a, a new appreciation uh, for what you do and for the Gibbons and, and the story that you told? Um, maybe appreciation for the work we do. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, probably. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's, it's almost like realizing like how much we do and what we do, kind of thinking about what, what more we can do. Uh, also, yeah, um, yeah, probably. Um, well, you... Sometimes just oh, realize, yes. I was just gonna. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but it's just you know, from your perspective, when you're in there day in day out, you I don't think you appreciate what you do. Yeah, I just don't think you do. You know, talking to conservation. No, we just do it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like yeah. From from your perspective, you just yeah. you you wake up early in the morning, you go out and take care of your animals, and you go to bed late at night, get some sleep, and you repeat the process day in day out. So, from an outsider's right, perspective. Yeah. You know, I, it's just, it's an amazing story of what you do and what you do for these animals. And, you know, w- what we call you as a conservation hero, and we say everybody can be a conservation hero, you know, just say no to a straw, mm-hmm. you're being a conservation hero, but you're a true conservation hero. You're saving species. <laughs> you're, you know, you're, you're fighting hard day in, day out. So I don't know if you, you got that appreciation after seeing the film and you're like, wow, I, what I do is kind of cool. I think I did, but you know, it's just for one night we were like celebrating, we were heroes, and the next thing, like we don't, we can't think about too much. Just, mm-hmm. We have to go and go back to work. <laughs> right, right. So um, yeah, we, we don't think about too much, but I think it was very important to to have that night and and see it and 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 uh, um, just be a hero for for that, and then. Um, I don't know. Just go back to do what we do. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> so, I guess for the yeah. for the three of you, did you have any favorite moments making the film? I guess we start with Alex. So let, let, let me start. Uh, yeah, yeah, yes, I do. Uh, the the uh, recording of the interviews. Uh, this is where we really get into stories, and uh, and that that was just really tremendous. One particular day, I got to take some uh, some uh, recording of uh, Violet, the one that the film is about, and Truman, uh, the given that uh, they are together now. And I spent most of the day recording there. And in a way, uh, I had planned that from the very beginning, you know, when I was going to the uh, to the different tours, was thinking how wonderful it would be to just go one day and not do anything, just just just. Uh, you know, like film the Gibbons and not do anything. And that, that, that for me, that was very special. Uh, so that's in the recording side. 
uh, after the screening, uh, the first time Chris, the uh, Chris is the chairman of the um, of the uh, of the showwoman of the given of the board of the given center. Uh, she has seen the film for the first time in San Jose, and then uh, Michael and I uh, were talking to her afterwards, and she mentioned a particular scene. Uh, the scene was. Uh, uh, there was a devastation after a large fire in, in California, a significant fire, significant devastation. And um, after the fire was done, she was driving, uh, trying to see if she can help somebody. And we have recreated that, recreated the drive, but she had not seen it. We just uh, we knew the story and then uh, we recreated that, that drive and the, the fire and so on. She had seen it afterwards and she said that... Uh, it reminded her very much of, of exactly what happened. Um, she, she, she felt strongly about it, kind of emotional. And that was like reinforcing that. Um, it was just, was just kind of uh, gratifying to hear that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Michael, do you have any favorite moments when you made the film? You know, pretty much every time that I, uh, that I went up there and, and I, I mean, I spent days, you know, shooting pickup shots. Um, not necessarily of the Gibbons, but of all the other things. And <laughs> there's one Gibbon, um, his name is Pierre. And when I was walking past his cage the first time, he started making this little chatter. And I thought, oh, wow, he, he likes me. And Daddy said, no, that means he doesn't like you. <laughs> and so every time I, I had to walk from where my equipment was to a different location to get this shot or that shot. I had, I had to walk a, a big banana, as we call it, way away from him. I had to walk past his cage, but I had to curve way away from him just so that, and I mean, I've gone out there with hats and sunglasses and anything. And, and the girl, and he recognizes me every time. By the way, there are other Gibbons in our film besides just Pepper and um, and Violet. And well, I just wanted to mention some of their names. Pierre and Astrick and Nate's son. That's the one that um, that doesn't like Astrick screwing around. Astrick has uh, has now been put together with with Pierre with Pierre and they, they have a new baby and uh, but I'll let Gabby talk about that. And then there's a Vak, who, who is actually Pepper's living father, mm-hmm. and Ricky, that's the one that was the leader of the morning song. Every morning and a couple times during the day, when Gibbon starts singing, and then they all start singing, and it's this, it's this big ebb and flow, and ebb and flow of, and I don't know why they stop. They do it a couple of times a day. Gabby can tell you exactly more. When and and Pepper is, and and um, Ricky was was the one who started the morning song, um, and then when she passed away, Pepper, her daughter, um, took took it up. And then there's Truman that is now Violet's boyfriend or or significant other, or whatever you want to phrase it. And I'm probably missing a couple more that are film. But I just wanted to make sure people didn't think it was just Violet and Pepper. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, that's 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 awesome. They, um, 
I know we're kind of closing up on an hour, so I just got a couple more questions for you, uh, the three of you. This one I, I, I always like to ask all my guests, and I'm, I'm really curious, you know, especially from a filmmaker perspective, because, you know, I've a lot of conservation experts, you know, I, I can predict what they're going to say, but, you know, from, from your perspective, you know, as, as our species, Homo sapien humans, do we have a moral obligation to help these endangered species? You know, I guess I'd like to, Alex, and then Michael, and then Gabby. So, uh, yeah, in my opinion, uh, they go resounding, yes. Uh, uh, it, it, it's a lot more than our responsibility is almost a mandate. Uh, recently, uh, literally in the last week, finished a book by the name of Homo sapiens, and uh, it is the history of humans. Uh, very, very interesting book, highly recommended. Uh, but also that there's a section about the impact that humans have on everything else, on the animals and the planets and so on. There's a section that we talk about the numbers, how many species there were uh, in a particular continent, for example, the uh, Americas, before humans came in, and just in the last, you know, like a couple of thousand years since, uh, uh, not since America as we know it now, but since humans came to the continent itself. Uh, the impact on the uh, on the species, both the the uh, the animal and the planet, and then I have this this uh, dire uh, prediction that if we continue as in all indications that we will continue on the same route, uh, very soon the only animals other than humans that will be left will be those that we need, like we need for food or for uh, clothes or for things of that nature. This will be the only species left. Uh, if we continue as we are. So, yes, yeah, to answer your question, I really feel very strongly that both where we have a responsibility, at least a responsibility, if, if not uh, something that is higher order and then deep. Yeah. Yeah. Michael? I, I can't do any better than that. <laughs> Just add to that. <laughs> I, can't, I can't ask. I really can't add to that. I'm going to pass to Gabby. Okay, Gabby. Um. Yeah, but a lot of the issue that um happening right now with the problems, uh, we are the cause. So we're causing the problems, so of course we are responsible. And um, But we, we're not an outside part of the ecosystem, so we're causing the problems, but we are also in it. And we don't really grasp, we don't completely understand the problems we are um doing with each species, each species, like the gibbon, a, a frog, a turtle, they all have a, uh, a function. And sometimes we understand, sometimes we not. Like we know about gibbons that they they eat fruits and they don't grind up the seeds and as they, uh, you know, digest it, they travel through the forest and they, they defecate the seeds and that grow more trees. So other primates too, and birds and elephants, they are kind of the gardening gardeners of the forest, so they have very important functions. But there might be other ones, uh, and there are species that we don't know what's their function, um, but it's all connected, and we're causing destruction, we're causing um, problems that we, we don't know what's going to happen next. Mm-hmm. So um, it's like it's better not to mess with things, Although if we did, we should we are responsible fixing it and repairing it, and protecting what's left and preserving what's left. And um, that's that's one thing. And the other thing is 
like growing up, uh, we had a small garden and I was just fascinated by nature. I was fascinated each little ant and birds and, and everything. And um, I just, I think what's around us evolved for millions of years ago. So I think they just have a right to exist. Uh, just like we have the right to exist, then we have to kind of exist together and preserve things for, for not just for the givens, for ourselves, because we are part of it. No, yeah, beautifully stated, beautifully stated, and, and yeah, it's 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 amazing what's going on out there, but like I said, Gabby, you're, you're a conservation hero, and, and I know there's an army out there fighting for, for all these species, so we just need to help keep spreading the message, and I believe art and filmmaking is a major, major, major piece of that, that we just need to raise awareness and educate the masses mm-hmm. on yeah. what's going on out there, and, and this film does that. I guess my final question is, you know, we definitely will list on our show notes and our website, you know, where they can see the film. The, the, the film's website is violetisbluedoc.com. And then the Gibbon Center, it's, and we're going to have a, a separate podcast just on the Gibbon Center, but the Gibbon Center website is gibboncenter.org. So our listeners can go there to learn more. But is there any other way our listeners can help? So the center is open every Saturday and Sunday, and our biggest income coming from visitors. So if people are people local, they should come and see the center. Um, open every Saturday and Sunday from 9.30 to noon. Um, we're also looking for volunteers, so if somebody have extra time and they want to work around endangered species and animals, they can also sign up to volunteer. And then um, they, they can also support us. Then doesn't matter where you are. Um, you can donate us through our website and uh, just support our mission. Great, great. Um, Alex or Michael, do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, so this is, this is, this is exactly as uh, the, the center, uh, the center, the given center that is, have, have a great mission. So all the support that, that you can give them, either in volunteering or donation or just by, by spreading the word, is, is really appreciated. Uh, individually, uh, uh, as Michael said and also Gabby said, uh, this particular product that's called palm oil, this palm oil uh, uh, is the reason for deep deforestation, uh, deforestation that is impacting the habitat of the Gibbons. Uh, palm oil and in many products, these products, almost all of it has alternatives. So uh, as you buy product, you know, just be conscious of that. Uh, you will be helping with virtually no impact on you yourself. For sure, for sure. Well, I just want to thank you three for taking the time out of your day to, to talk to us. It's an amazing film. Highly recommend it. I definitely will, will be pushing it uh, through our listeners and, and really pray and, and hope you, you know I'm excited for the day you do get a distributor because if this gets on Amazon or Netflix it just it's an amazing documentary that people need to see and you know what Gabby and her team go through day in day out it, it, it's an amazing important message so so thank you I know the Gibbons thank you uh, for what you did and what you're doing thank you thank you thanking me right now thank you <laughs> alright thank you so much take care thank you Thank you. Thank you very much. Bye.
As a long-time foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts.